morning, church. If you would, open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Samuel this morning, 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, as we continue a series that we started several weeks ago called Never Ending, How God's Story Changes Yours. Good morning and welcome. My name is Matt Brooks. I'm the senior pastor of FBCBA and CBC, and we praise God as last week we had 13,000 people all around the Tulsa metro area, all around the state of Oklahoma, all around the world, worshiping Jesus Christ as Lord. And so we welcome our Broken Arrow campus, we welcome our Coweta campus, and we welcome our online campus all around the world as we study God's Word. The one thing I want you to get as you walk out here and do life is my God is greater than my giant. Today we find ourselves in a tireless fight with ongoing battles to come. And I want to inspire and encourage you by studying the most famous battle in the entire Old Testament. A battle waged not by two armies, but by two people, David and Goliath. God can make the impossible possible. God can change your life this morning. God can slay your giants today, once and for all. Why? Because my God is greater than my giant. When we come to 1 Samuel 17, we have to remind ourselves that 1 Samuel is a book of transition. As the nation of Israel moves from a theocracy to a monarchy, the people were on a long drift away from God. And Samuel, the last of the judges and God's chosen man, is an old man now, trying to lead people who wanted to be more like the world than God. God's people in 1 Samuel 17 are being led by a king by the name of Saul, who is weak, disobedient, timid, and cowardly. To make matters worse, the Israelites and the Philistines are fighting in the vast valley of Elah, which is 14 miles west of Bethlehem and over a mile wide. Now the Philistines were the most superior foe of all civilizations at the time. The Philistines were the most socially sophisticated. They were also the most technological advanced civilization at the time, for they pioneered warfare with both bronze and iron. Vastly outmatched, God's people are paralyzingly terrified and demoralizingly fearful as they've been challenged to representative warfare or single combat by a literal giant named Goliath. Now, Goliath would represent the Philistines, and whoever the Israelites chose would represent them. Whoever won, his army won. Whoever lost, his army lost. Now, obviously, according to verses 8 through 11 and verse 24 of 1 Samuel 17, the Israelites are terrified. Things are so bad that King Saul offers to any brave man who would face and kill the giant three things. Number one, his daughter's hand in marriage, great riches and fame, and the promise to exempt his father's house from paying taxes. And all of us who just paid our taxes and mailed in our taxes, we're all saying, sign me up. Now, really, this great battle is not a battle of two great armies, but really two men, David and Goliath. Now, the Bible dedicates 66 chapters to David's life. In fact, David is mentioned 59 separate times in the New Testament alone. David was the eighth son of Jesse and Israel's greatest king. David was a poet, musician, warrior, statesman, and oh yeah, in his spare time, he killed giants. Most importantly, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, that David was a man after God's own heart. We need those same men today. Now, Goliath provides literally the most detailed giant in all of antiquity. 
In fact, the physical description of Goliath may be the most detailed description of any individual in the Bible. The irony is, is that Goliath's name is actually only mentioned twice in the entire narrative, in verse 4 and in verse 23. However, he's called the Philistine 27 separate times. Goliath is classified as a champion, or literally the man between the two armies. We have thousands of men on both sides in the Valley of Allah. But really, there's only one man, one champion, Goliath. Goliath, according to the Bible, is nine feet, nine inches tall. He could dunk a basketball without even jumping. His armor is described in verses five through seven and cover his entire torso and weighed 5,000 shekels or anywhere from 175 to 200 pounds. He had bronze plates protecting his legs. His point of his spear, not just his spear, but his point of his spear weighed around 25 pounds. Now, we know a little bit about giants in our society. In fact, you're sitting at home and more than likely for the last week to 10 days, you've been binge watching Disney Plus. So you know of the greatest giant of all time in Disney fame, literally the giant from Mickey and the Beanstalk. You know the greatest giant of all time, period, Willie Mays. We've known giants before even regarding the football teams. In fact, one of the greatest football teams of all time were the giants. Not these guys, but these guys. All of these giants are minimal in their comparison to Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. You see, you have giants today that you struggle with, don't you? You see, giants like Goliath come day in and day out, morning and evening, relentlessly trying to intimidate and to distract us. So often when facing our own giants, we forget what we should remember, and we remember what we should forget. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We remember our wrongs and forget God is strong. We remember our misery and forget God's victory. We remember our shame and forget the power of Jesus' name. Some giants that we face seem endless, seem overbearing, seem unbeatable. In fact, specifically in this season that we're in, let me give you five that I believe that we're struggling with as a church. Number one is fear, the giant of fear. Anxiety and the uncertainty of the future, if we're not careful, may start off small and insignificant, but it weighs us down and then takes us over. It could be a giant. Secondly, addiction, substance or be behavior abuse, anything that we can't live without can become a giant. It starts first as just meeting a need. It's just something we'll just do one or two times and before you know it, it has taken over our lives. It's a giant. How about the giant of approval? You know, we're a performance-based society and thus a performance-affirmed society. Some of you, you've been stuck at home in a Zoom conference for two weeks, it seems like. People can't necessarily see what you're doing and thus can't see how you're performing and thus can't affirm your performance. So no affirmation, no approval. And you become a giant. What about depression? This season can be overwhelming. It can lead to emptiness and hopelessness. If we're not careful, we've got to remind ourselves of the truth that God will never leave us nor forsake us. But sometimes we give in to the inward reality instead of an outward, heavenward reality. It can be a giant. 
Finally, what about control? If COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's really in God's goodness that control is an illusion, that you and I have very little control. That's why we must remind ourselves that God has control. You and I, we can't control something and anything. Nevertheless, everything in our lives. And that's why we must trust the Lord. If not, control can become a giant. We can't handle these giants in and of ourselves. My God is greater than my giant. Let me prove that to you. First Samuel chapter 17. Why don't we study in depthly this morning, verses 34 through 50. And your Bible says this, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from his flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. For your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. And then David said to Saul, I can't go with these for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's pouch, in his sling, in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Now, by the time we get to verse 34, Goliath has been taunting the Israelites every morning and every evening for 40 days, the Bible says in verse 16. Every single day, Goliath comes out. Who wants to fight? Who wants to represent you? The nation of the one true God. And every morning and every evening, God's people said, nah, no thanks. Does your giants do the same to you? Are you really going to promise again that you'll never do this? Are you really going to trust Jesus again? Are, are you really going to seek help this time? Are, are you really going to seek biblical community? Are you really promising your loved ones, nope, I'll, I'll never do this again? You see, church, if you tolerate a giant, he'll eventually dominate. Goliath wasn't born nine feet, nine inches tall. He grew to be this man. He grew to be this problem. And your giants are the same. Giants start small, insignificant, something new or something to do. And then boom, you don't have them. They have you. But be encouraged. This story, this truth of God's word reminds us that God often does the impossible through the improbable. David initially was only going to check on his brothers, according to verses 17 and 18. Verse 18 says he literally came with cheese. This guy brought a lunchable. And all of a sudden, the greatest battle of all time broke out. And upon arriving, David hears Goliath's blasphemies against the Lord. And it ignites in his heart and moves in his life. Action, according to verses 26 through 31. 
this, this makes no sense. You see, David was just a young man. He was probably still a teenager. Hey, for those parents who have teenagers, hang in there, mom and dad. You may be raising a king, right? David was under the age of 20 and could not even serve in the army, according to Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. Furthermore, David had no formal military training at all. He was a monotonous shepherd watching his father's flock. But yet God was actually taking this little shepherd boy that he would use to strike down a giant and one day become a king over all men. And this shepherd's boy says in verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. You see, church, God had been preparing David for Goliath his entire life. Every single day, isolated, monotonously, watching sheep over and over and over again, God was training David for his giants. God allows you to have hindsight, to get the right insight, to have the correct foresight. Literally, your servant has struck down both lions and bears. That's hindsight. David was looking back upon his life and what God had asked him to do, what he entrusted him with, to be a shepherd. And as these lions and bears came, they fell one by one. David looked back at what God was doing in his life. He then was assessing what God was going to do through his life. God gives you hindsight to get the right insight. He literally says in this uncircumcised Philistine, this giant who is not of covenant, this is a man who is under the one true God. And God does the same things with you. He takes you through these processes and these trials in life. He gives you gifts and talents and abilities to strengthen and to challenge you what he is calling you ultimately to do. God allows you to have the, the hindsight, to get the right insight, here we go, to have the correct foresight. David says clearly, and he, this Philistine, will be just like the lion and the bear previously. Dead, because victory was already David's. And God desires the same thing in your life. God right now is testing you. God right now is sharpening and pruning those things in your life that you, if we're not careful, we're to become giants. And God has graciously allowed you this time to evaluate. And he gives you hindsight to give you the right insight to have the correct foresight to do exactly what he is calling you to do. Every obstacle and challenge God had given David was preparing him for what God ultimately had prepared for David. Which also means, church, that God is calling you right now to stand and to fight and to take on your giants right now through God's power. Take on your giants or your giants will take over you. So stop running. Start fighting by trusting God's word, God's presence, and God's power through you. You are ready for what God is asking for you right now. You say, how do you know? Because he's asking you. God wouldn't ask you if he hadn't already prepared you or promises to be with you 
and to empower you. Now is the time to stop running and to start fighting by trusting in God's word and God's power and God's presence in your life. My God is greater than my giant. Now, look back at verse 37. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the head of the Philistine. Everyone else's eyes were on the giant. David's eyes were on God. Did you notice the name that David used to describe God in verse 37? The Lord. It's God's covenant name. It's used for the first time in 1 Samuel 17 right here. Yahweh. God, as a result of who he is, will always be faithful to his people. David knew God would be there for him and his people in any circumstance, in any given moment. David also knew that because God had already routinely delivered him from the dangers of the lions and the bears. And thus he knew God would deliver him from Goliath. You see, church, courage is not the absence of fear, but believing. The God inside of you will defeat the giant in front of you. All of God's people were fearful because Goliath was so big. But David saw Goliath as God saw him, as too big to miss. You see how his, his perception changed? Everyone else's eyes were on the giant. David's eyes were on the Lord. My God is greater than my giant. And in light of that, we're moving forward with the same confidence that David did in verse 37. We started a ministry on Monday called Meet a Need. It's literally the something that God had placed in my heart and began to inspire and encourage and empower our staff's hearts and now you. And so as we are one church in two locations, we have taken our student center at the Broken Arrow campus and we turned it into a mission center. We've taken our worship center in the Coweta campus and we turn it into a mission center. In fact, you have opportunities right now to give dry goods and canned goods and diapers and wipes and all of those things that God has blessed you with in order to bless others at this time. And we'll take it as God continues to bless you. We are literally right now blessing families from Monday through Friday to 10 a.m. to 2 p.m to 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And church, I celebrate with you God's goodness to us. We have right now, as of Sunday morning, literally helped over 300 families. This vision has not only become a reality, it's become a, a movement through God's people. Because you've allowed God to move in and through you, we are now actively showing the love and power and presence of God all throughout the Tulsa Master area. Church, we're having families drive one hour one way all over Tulsa, all over this part of Oklahoma because of what God is doing through you. And so I wanna inspire you and encourage you to give over and above your tithes and offerings. Hey, what God has blessed you with, man, go buy some goods. Go buy goods on these lists. Go buy opportunities and bring them to our church. Bring them to our, our Broken Arrow campus. And from that, we'll begin to distribute them to our Broken Arrow campus and our Coweta campus and we'll meet a need. We can't meet every need, but we can meet a need, and we can trust God to meet more and more for his glory. Why? Because my God is greater than my giants. 
With that in mind, look back at verse 41. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David. And with his shield bearer in front of him, and when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you had defied, whom this day, verse 46, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, I will strike you down and I will cut off your head and I will give you the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there was a God of Israel and that all of this assembly may know that it is the Lord who saves, not by the sword or by the spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our. Please notice in verse 46, the purpose of David's victory is not simply to defeat Goliath, is not simply to save himself or Israel, but that the whole earth would know that our God saves. In fact, you want to know something interesting? David never speaks in any of his writings, never again, of killing Goliath. The most famous battle of all time, not between two armies, but two people. The whole entire world knows about this in any form or facet. There have been plays, dramas, movies, sports teams who have taken on this theme, and yet David never mentions it again. Why? Because this battle was never about David, but about the Lord through David. In fact, look at verse 30, 47. This battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. You see, here's the key. It may have been David's fight, but it was the Lord's battle. This is not a story about a boy killing a giant for God. It's not. This is a story about God who killed a giant through a boy. You see, I can't help but think as we fight our own giants, if we're not careful, we'll make it all about us and what we have overcome and what we have gone through instead of God through us. The end of every giant that you face is not just to save yourself or your future or your family, but that those around you would know that there is a one true God who fights for you and in you and through you for his so are you trying to fight your own battles? Are you fighting your way for God or God's way through you? One is unsustainable. The other, God promises to bless every single time. God in you and for you desires to fight through you. See David. For David, the best thing he did for himself was by relying upon God, not self. In other words, church, stop fighting battles. The Lord has already won. You see, the moment that you give your life completely to Jesus Christ, 
God's king literally defeats the greatest foe that you've ever faced. Sin, once and for all. And God, through the Holy Spirit, takes residence in your heart. A God who is in you is also a God that is for you. You belong to him. Your future is as secure as his presence is in you today. In light of that, God is not only in you and for you, he desires through the power of the Holy Spirit in his very presence to fight through you. And trust me, if there's one thing that the story teaches us time and time again, is that my God is greater than my giant or any giant. Now, look at verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in his forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and he struck the Philistine and he killed him. Notice that Goliath is prepared for hand-to-hand -hand combat and is in heavy armor. While David is quick and nimble able to freely maneuver. The Bible is clear that he literally had his shepherd's staff with him and he had a sling and five smooth stones. Now, I'll remind you that it's actually David here that has the upper hand, not Goliath. You see, slinging took an extraordinary amount of skill and practices. In fact, there are historical accounts in medieval times of slingers hitting birds mid-flight over 200 yards away. There are Irish historians that have documented slingers from Ireland who could hit a coin tossed in the air at over 100 yards away. In fact, in the Guinness World Book of Records, the longest target ever struck by a sling is 437 meters. What appeared to be an ineffective weapon to man's eyes was the main means in which God effectively took out a giant. In fact, ballistic experts have confirmed that a rock thrown with the sling that David would use historically at this time would have struck Goliath in the forehead at 34 meters per second or 76 miles per hour. Kids, literally as fast as your parents drive to Walmart these days, right? Most biblical historians tell us that David at the time of approaching Goliath was 25 to 30 meters away. So can you imagine a rock being slung at you 25 meters away at 76 miles per hour. Goliath would have literally had one half of one second to react, which means Goliath never had a chance. Goliath was dead the moment David appeared. In fact, it's almost as if David said, Goliath of Gath, looks like somebody just walked over your grave. For the moment David appears, Goliath is dead. Goliath never had a chance, and through Jesus Christ, neither do your giants. Goliath gave the appearance that he was invincible, but he was woefully beatable. 
and so are your giants. The Israelites wrongly concluded that Goliath could not be defeated. They chose to overemphasize the giant and did not consider even giants are under God. And if we're not careful, we'll do the exact same. We will fix our focus instead of on God's power and God's presence. We will put our focus on our giants and we will overemphasize our giants and neglect the fact that even our giants are under God. Now, something else fascinating. Though Goliath was a champion among men, he had two fatal flaws in looking at this man. Number one, he had weighty armor, over 200 plus pounds, literally stricken him immobile. I mean, the, the 10 man in the Wizard of Oz had more mobility than Goliath did in 1 Samuel 17. He also more than likely had a severe medical condition called ac Romegaly, that is literally a benign tumor on the pituitary gland, which causes an overproduction of human growth hormone, which explains Goliath's size at nine foot nine inches tall. In fact, interestingly enough, in the Guinness World Book of Records, the tallest man ever recorded was a man by the name of Robert Wadlow. He was eight feet, 11 inches tall. Robert Wadlow had acromegaly, the same symptom that Goliath more than likely had. Another side effect of acromegaly is also vision problems. Now look back at the text. You'll notice in verse 41 that a shield bearer came before Goliath in this hand-to-hand -hand combat. Now military historians tell us that shield bearers actually were never in front of those in hand-to-hand -hand combat. They only protected the archers or slingers, and it makes sense. They are protecting those who from a long range are projectiling weapons or means of destruction to their enemies, not those in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But notice a shield bearer was in front of Goliath. Why? Because more than likely he had vision problems caused by an over benign tumor on his pituitary gland. Secondly, notice also in verse 43, Goliath comes to David and says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The word sticks there in the Hebrew is actually plural, not singular. The Bible is clear that David only carried a shepherd staff. You see, Goliath was a flawed foe. He was not only a ginormous doofus, he also more than likely had vision problems. He was dead the moment David showed up. And God can do the same thing with your giants. My God is greater than my giant. And just as David had to throw a stone to realize its impact to kill a giant, you have to physically act by faith to enable God to crush your giants. And so what I want to do is I want to give you three ways God defeats your giants in your life. Remember those five giants that I mentioned previously? I want to take three that I believe specifically that at our Coeta campus and our Broken Arrow campus and all around the Tulsa metro area, if we're not careful, that we'll be succumbed to. But yet God wants to give you victory in. Number one is the giant of fear. How do we take out this giant of fear? Well, first of all, we don't do it. God through us does it. And so that's why we have to speak the gospel to ourselves. Stop focusing 
on our giants. Fear. We don't know the future. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know the potential impact upon our economy and our households and even our church for that matter. No, here's what we do know. We know that God made you uniquely. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you with him in mind. And instead of loving God, you and I instead have loved ourselves and we've sinned. God made you uniquely, but I have sinned woefully. Yet just as quick as we have sinned, God begins to rescue us. God knew it was impossible for us to work our way to him. So he came to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And just as God made me uniquely and I sinned woefully, Jesus has saved me completely. And the moment you place your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can do it right now. God forgives all of your sin, past, present, and future. And then God, through the Holy Spirit, empowers your life, which means that he desires to lead you purposefully. He's given you a purpose and a meaning for life. Finally then, your future is no longer earthly, but heavenly. And thus our fears dissipate or crushed because we speak the gospel to ourselves, that God made me uniquely, that I sinned woefully, that Jesus saved me completely, that the Holy Spirit leads me purposefully, and my future is heavenly. My God is greater than my giant. Secondly, if we're not careful, we'll succumb to the, the giant of depression. One way for us to get over this emptiness and hopelessness is to remind ourselves of the God of all hope. And we do that by rejoicing in the Lord. And so when we feel down, when we feel overwhelmed, when we begin to look inwardly, we've got you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look heavenly, rejoice in the Lord. Joy is yours because you are His. Happiness is associated with the result of an event. But joy is the result of what Jesus Christ has already done on our behalf. That is why we have joy from the Lord when we rejoice in the Lord. And may we, as Nehemiah 8.10 says, may the joy of the Lord be our strength in this time. We literally crush the giant of depression God through us does when we rejoice in the Lord. Thirdly, we crush the giant of control God does through us when we receive God's peace and presence. Peace in the Bible denotes a confidence in the wisdom and control of God. Peace speaks to a physical reality and conveys an inner attitude of an inner wholeness and contentment and thankfulness. God's peace and presence are inseparable in the lives of his people. God is in you. God is for you, and God is desiring to fight through you right now. If we'll give our giants to him. For those giants that you're currently struggling with that I didn't mention, take heart, church. Remind yourself that God pursues you more than you could ever passionately pursue anything else. We have a God who is faithful. We have a God who is able. We have a God who is greater. 
and he desires to fight in and for and through you right now. For my God is greater than my giant. Now, I think before we conclude, let me ask you this question. What's the main point of this story? I mean, some of you for, for years and years and years, you've heard the story over and over and over again. I mean, what's the main point of 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath? It is not that you need to be David, but that you need a David. The story is not about a shepherd, but the shepherd. The Bible reminds us that Jesus is the true and better David. The purpose of this story in 1 Samuel 17 is not to emulate David, but rather to point us to the ultimate hero and ultimate savior, Jesus Christ himself. You see, we are not like David. We're like the fearful Israelites. The Israelites in 1 Samuel 17, in facing Goliath, were hopeless and defeated and overwhelmed and cowering in fear and in frustration. In like manner, when we began to fight our giants, we do the same. And that is why we need a savior who can deal with our sin and who can deal with our guilt and who can deal with our crisis and who can deal with the ultimate reality of our sin, death itself. That is why David's defeat of Goliath points us to the ultimate defeat of sin by Jesus. David, the shepherd king, Israel's legal representative, defeated Goliath with a stone. Jesus Christ, the true shepherd, is our spiritual representative before God the Father. And through his sinless life and substitutionary death, he completely annihilates and defeats sin once and through all through the cross. And by God's grace, you can today have not just everlasting life, but an abundant life now and forever through Jesus Christ. David's victory brought temporary freedom, but Jesus's victory brings everlasting freedom. And if you're here right now and your world has turned upside down, all that you've loved, all that was normal has now been postponed or removed. Can I offer you the truth of a God who will never leave you nor forsake you, who desires to fight in you and for you and through you. And if you will commit your life solely to Jesus Christ, God's Son and God's ways, then God can right now eliminate all of your sin, fight and slay your giants, and can change your life, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. If you're here right now, and if you're ready to repent, turn from your sin, and place your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ, would you just right now in the comment section type Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. -S. We have a minister or an associate right now who would desire to talk to you about what a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. For those of you who have accepted Christ, and you're listening to this right now, are you taking comfort that we have a God who desires to fight in you and for you and through you, and regardless of the giants to come, my God is greater than my giants. May that truth, church, impact and empower your life to do abundantly more for Jesus Christ right now.
than ever before. My God is greater than my giant. Church, would you bow with me in prayer? I would love to have a time of prayer and blessing over you and for you right now. Our Father, as we come to you, God, we remind ourselves, Lord, of how great you are. Father, in light of, Lord, what is going on all around us, God, we come to you in spirit and in truth. God, we ask right now that, Father, you would stop, starve our flesh. That, God, you would thrive and feed our spirit through your word. That, God, giants that we're facing, real giants, fear and addiction and control and approval and comfort. God, I pray right now that, God, each giant would fall in light, God, of not what we do, but what you've already done. Not, Lord, in who we are, but who you are, our great warrior and conqueror. Father, I pray that we can go forth through this time in confidence, knowing that our God is greater than our giants. In the name above all names, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church family, I love you. These are unique times. May we give our lives to living to the one true Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. I love you, church. I'll see you next time.